Well, hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And if you want to level up your sponsored brand advertising on Amazon, then this is the episode for you because that's what we're going to be talking about with today's guest, Michael from Ad Badger. Michael, welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming on. What's going on, Ben? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm honored to have you on. I've been, as I mentioned before we started recording, I've been a long time listener of the Ad Badger podcast what is it called the ppc den or something ppc den yes that's right Thank thanks so much yeah thanks oh, for being yes. part of badger nation there's i mean i don't know really many other ppc dedicated podcasts at all so it's a great resource for amazon sellers that want to level up their, their ppc game and uh and so i'm excited yeah to dive into some of these topics with you uh before we do that give us a bit of a, a rundown on your history what brought you to starting ad badger and what you guys do and, and what you're up to at the moment how far back should we go? <laughs> yeah, uh, day one, birth. No, as much as you feel is relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, um, some relevant things are. Uh, I started freelancing online, and I started on sites like Upwork, and at the time it was Elance. And I just really liked digital marketing. I liked the fact that it was, you know, helping people. So I would meet a client and like learn about them, and like they were always doing something interesting and always doing something cool, uh, and then being able to scratch the part of my brain that uh, I'm a bit of a gamer. Like I grew up playing Starcraft two. I don't know if anyone's ever played that out there. I don't know, Starcraft <laughs> one. And it's just like a real time strategy game. It's like chess where it's like you versus the competition. And it's like, how are you going to use your resources better than somebody else? Uh, how are you going to like find the next you know door to walk through and all these different things? How are you going to respond to these conditions? And I sort of put PPC in the sort of world of like technical marketing that really scratches that itch for me. Mm -hmm. And PPC specifically, I just happen to really enjoy. Uh, I also like SEO. Um, but in like 2010, I started Search Scientists, which is like a Google Ads PPC agency. And we had clients uh, who would ask us like to do Amazon stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel really lucky that around the time that we got started, primarily as Google Ads, we had sort of this client early, you know, considered early in like today's context, you know, where like eight years ago, nine years ago, they wanted to put their products on Amazon and begin to use Amazon advertising to drive even more traffic. So I got this sort of earlier exposure to Amazon ads and I was able to sort of carry that through. And part of the idea for AdBadger was, uh, well, number one, simplicity, like to have a company for Google ads and another one for Amazon ads, uh, make life really simple. Uh, but the other thing too, was I was using a lot of like advanced tools for Google ads at the time. And then at the time in like 2016, 2017, I was like, man, we're all the tools for Amazon ads. And obviously 2023, it's a different story. But, uh, at the time I was just like, man, like I would love to have a tool that did this and did that and did this. Um, so I wanted to create like the practitioner's tool for Amazon advertising. And that's, so I started at Badger, which is a software company. Uh, yeah. And I absolutely love thinking about software, building software. It's a incredibly uphill battle. It's incredibly tricky and challenging, especially Amazon. Uh, you know, every time, like every once in a while, you'll log on to Amazon's dashboard, like advertising.amazon.com. And you'll like look at re your results and there'll be like a banner at the top of the screen. It's like data for this day is like coming soon. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Like that's what it's like, like working with the API sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um and that's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, that's good, man. That's good. Um, I got to ask, Ad Badger, is there a, like a story behind the name? Have you seen the viral 
video. This is like one of the early days viral videos about the honey badger. Mm. Hold on, let me sh let me show. Hold on, I have a book over here. Right. Is any of this ringing a bell to you, honey badger? Honey badger don't care. Nothing. You've never seen this. No, this, to be honest. This... Yeah, oh, maybe I'm man. showing my lack of relevance there. But... Well, if it's, I, well, I need to give you some homework. This is like one of the early viral videos. It's like over 10 years old. And it's just a story about how it's like a National Geographic documentary with his badger running around and he's running into beehives and he's like fighting snakes and like biting a snake and the snake uh, knocks him out. And then after a couple hours, a honey badger get back, gets back up and just like scurries off. Uh, so it's this sort of like indestructible, you know, badass animal. And uh, yeah, someone just got me this book. And uh, it's supposed to be a children's book. Honey badger don't care. <laughs> so yeah, so that's where... And it also sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And it stands out. It's unique. Yeah. Add rabbit was actually my first choice because it's like <laughs> small and nimble, and but it was like taken. So I'm like, screw it. Got into the next idea. Yeah, yeah. That's class. Good stuff, man. Good. All right. Well, uh, we're going to dive into sponsored brands specifically. Obviously, there's lots we could cover with PPC, and we've had a few guests on talking about just general, you know, campaign structure, bidding strategy, that kind of thing. But I thought it would be good to. We haven't really had an episode talking about sponsored brands specifically, and in. 2023, 2023, yeah. um, you know, especially there are, there is like a real need for brands to, you know, really lean into this extra branded content that Amazon is providing. So I thought it'd be good to, to chat that through um, and get your thoughts on it. Obviously, you would be working with it a lot, but just from obviously um, the sponsored brands perspective, it's evolved a lot over recent years. Uh, I suppose top line um, thoughts what does an effective strategy with sponsored brands look like right now, 2023 and beyond to kick us off and then we'll dive into some of the uh, more detail of it. Yeah. So the first thing I did, I did some data analysis before I got on the call today. Oh, nice. uh, I knew we were going to be talking about sponsored brands and there's about 1100 marketplaces, give or take on AdBadger. Mm -hmm. And of that, I will give you the a cost by campaign type. So we've got oh, nice. three sponsored products, sponsored brands, sponsored display. Uh, sponsored products is about 30% average A cost. Yep. Sponsored brand is also about 30%. It's like literally 30.09 for sponsored products and then 30.55 for sponsored brand. Nice. Sponsored display is in its own category. Average A cost of click based is 59%. Uh, okay. So sponsored display is much higher. So mm -hmm. when we think of sponsored brands in context, I would say most advertisers w should use it in a similar manner and similar strategy that they use sponsored products. And that's actually not the intended purpose of sponsored brands. Like sponsored brands, it's for showing off the brand. It's to get new to brand metrics, like all these different things. If you think about it, it's great for... It's like so perfect for somebody like Nike, who maybe someone doesn't exactly know what kind of Nike shoe they want to buy. Maybe they don't even, they're not 100% sold that they want Nike just yet. So they're browsing and you're able to show a variety of products in mm. one ad unit. You're able to show your store spotlight in one ad unit. And you don't need to be Nike in order to get value out of these. But that's some of the spirit that it was sort of created for mm -hmm. to sort of do the brand showcase. Now, with all that being said, 
whenever we move to the top of funnel like that and we do this sort of brand showcase, like look at all of the products we have, I want to talk about when to do that. And for companies who are not Nike, you know, maybe you have 10 ASINs, maybe you have 20 ASINs. Uh, I think the strategy changes a lot. So to sort of think how I think of the quickest, fastest way to get value out of sponsored brands is to really tease out the brand components and try to do it like sponsored products. And what I mean by that is direct response, try to get clicks, try to get sales as quickly as possible. So like sort of shrink the text, shrink the steps to do that as quickly as possible. And you should ultimately end up with an ACOS that's right around sponsored products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll finish that thought by saying, if I look at an account, somebody comes to me, they're like, hey, I'm spending $10,000 a month. And I open up their account and it's almost all sponsored products. The easiest thing that I say is, well, if you're spending 10000 a month on sponsored products, my bet would be that we could probably increase your budget probably about 40% at a similar ACOS. So like we could probably take this to fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars a month in ad spend with the exact same ACOS. And that is such that is I think the biggest value piece of sponsored brands. Just like mm-hmm. whatever you're doing in sponsored products, you can probably do anywhere from forty to fifty percent of it in sponsored brands without even getting into all of the extra nuance that sponsored brand brings in. Literally just take the same keywords and hammer it home on sponsored brands. Mm-hmm. So I think that I know I keep on saying that I'm going to be done in a second, but I think <laughs> that right there is the essence of like getting started with sponsored brands mm. and how to really think about it in a clear, direct response, ROAS driven way. Mm. Yes, it's really helpful and fascinating that the ACOS is so similar across obviously a lot of accounts. And so that shows that it's not just, um, you know, those are those are true and and tested figures aren't they so very very interesting you mentioned about you know getting started straight away putting money into sponsored brands if it's a new seller coming onto the platform obviously they're going to need a certain amount of asins to make some of the ad formats work um how, how soon though uh should a new seller start sponsored brands you think straight away as soon as they're launching a product no uh, I think if somebody, you know, number one, you need multiple products in order to have the ad unit mm-hmm. uh, in the first place. Um, you know, with, you know, sponsored brand video, you don't, you can just pick that sort of that one product for for that. Um, and that's nice. But I think the, I think the thing to sort of think of is, you start with sponsored products because it is the most conversion focused ad type, mm-hmm. which is great. So you want to start with that sort of conversion focus. Eventually you can move on to more middle of funnel keywords and still remain in the world of sponsored products, which generally have a better conversion rate where people go. So if you're a beginning advertiser, it's very, very easy to go off the rails when it comes to sponsored brands. What I mean by that, there's lots of options and lots of settings that you can get distracted by Mm -hmm. that like pull people away from this direct response. What kind of video should I have? You know, maybe I, that opens up a whole can of worms. You get into what should my store look like? That's a whole Mm -hmm. can of worms, which can, can sort of pull people away from the absolute direct response. So a very easy way to get pulled away is like thinking of that store spotlight and thinking of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do the store spotlight. Don't do video. Like 
the very best brands, the most successful customers we have are all doing those things. Mm. But I'm sort of thinking of like the ramp up, the easy ramp up, the easiest, fastest way to get started, scale your sponsored products, get it to a point where you feel like, okay, this is good. This is a good sizable amount uh, of spend, whatever it is for your company, whatever you define sizable amount. It's probably going to be around 10% of your total revenue. If you're starting out, it's probably might be closer to 15% of your total revenue, depending on what industry it is, it might be higher or lower. But as soon as you get to that point and you're like, huh, I feel pretty good, like hitting the keywords that were obvious for sponsored products. That's great. Now, all of a sudden, why don't I take those same keywords that are doing well and launch a launch into sponsored brands in between that step, you're launching, you know, you're going from one product to two product to three product and then tapping into sponsored brands so you can serve a product product collection ad uh, and in between in between that step of actually launching those additional products that is a nice strategy that sits on top of all good amazon marketing which is just slowly introducing new products over time mm. um, that's a sign of a high growth company on amazon too just constantly adding something new, capturing more market share in their category, capturing different ways that people are searching for things, capturing different demand in a related way. And that sort of fuels your brand, which sets you up so nicely for a product collection ad where you have multiple great products with multiple great star ratings. That's a really appealing component to mm. advertising. So much I want to ask. Um, <laughs> so many, so many questions that are running around my head, but what I think would be good is maybe taking, um, one of my accounts at the moment is a bit of a case study because I stripped everything back to try and um, you know really improve the ACOS. Mm -hmm. The main uh, product that we sell with this one is, is like $15. So it's hard to get those metrics to work. And yeah. so um, I've just been doing a lot of sponsored products lately to really get those drilled down and not really any sponsored brands. So you, you talking about this is really lighting my kind of brain centers up like, man, there's big opportunities here. So we're spending about five $600 a day so whatever that is about 15,000 a month mm -hmm. so it sounds like I could easily go out there and spend another six seven thousand on sponsored brands for a similar ACOS what should be my approach with that should it just be starting with a video see how that goes and then look at a, um, a headline ad and see how that goes or do you have uh, like a recommended approach just blast it all out there do you have enough products for the product collection yeah, yeah. perfect uh, so the first thing I would do is I would look at your sponsor products. I would look at the search terms where you convert very well, and I would just plaster those into, uh, sponsor brands, product collection. Mm. Don't need to overthink it. Mm. Uh, so, so that's, that's absolutely what I would do. And that, that would probably be, you know, if you throw your, you know, if you think of your keyword list as an 80, 20, so mm -hmm. like to look at those top 20% of keywords, giving you 80% of your sponsor brand sales. Uh, that is where I would sort of put my focus on sponsored brands, product mm -hmm. collection. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to get into store, into the store component of sponsored brands, but to keep things simple, that's exactly what I would think. So if you think of sponsored brands, you have, well, actually this is true for every ad type, every ad type, sponsored product, sponsored brands, sponsored display has parts of it which are direct response -y. And when I say direct response, it's like someone searches for the product, they yeah. want to buy it, they click on it, they buy it. Direct response. Um, versus brand-based 
ads or sort of awareness type ads or sort of further up the funnel type ads. So an example of that within sponsored products might be, you know, I'm selling a mason jar, you know, mason jar 16 ounce. I'm advertising sponsored products for that thing at that time. It's exactly what they want. It's it's high user intent. You know what they want to buy. Uh, you know they want to buy something because they're on Amazon, and you know exactly what it is. As you move up the funnel and you get a little bit less specific, you know now it's just mason jar. Well, it's like what kind of mason jar do they want to buy? Uh, and then you go up a little further and you get into like can- canning supplies or kitchen gear. You know, kitchen su- yeah. kitchen supplies, and like you you go further up the funnel and you're still within the exact same keyword-based, exact match, sponsored product, ad slot. So any ad type has a sort of bottom of funnel, top of funnel thing. So when we talk about sort of scaling back our advertising spend, which is a fantastic activity that, you know, maybe once a year, all advertisers should just sort of audit their own ad spend. It's like, hey, maybe I get rid of everything that I am not in love with. I'll I'll 80-20 my ad account in some way and just sort of reevaluate everything. Uh, and that opens up a can of worms of like how to do that without taking too much off the table. Mm. But to your point, when you talk about scaling back, you get rid of those sponsored brands that are more like brand focused, not as direct responsey, uh, as a way to sort of eighty twenty, you know, and focus more on direct response. So take those keywords, put it in uh, a product collection. Um, yep, that's exactly what I would do. Do you typically integrate a sponsored brand ads into like a, a campaign structure in terms of promoting keywords, et cetera? Oh, like, um, you know, splitting up match types and all that good stuff? Mm. Yes. Um, so, you know, sponsored brands just came out with ad groups. As you know, at one point in time, they did not have mm. ad groups, which was really annoying to like build and as you could imagine it's like we'd come up with a rule for like campaigns you click on a campaign you view the ad groups in there and sponsored brands didn't have any and then now they do so we have to go like redo a whole bunch of anyway that's a gripe um so in general i want my settings to reflect what's inside the campaign as specifically as possible. So the easiest way to think of that is like I have a campaign budget that I sort of want to be as specific as possible. So I don't want 50 products in a campaign because now the budget is sort of spread out between all of them unless all of those products are nearly identical and behaving the same. Now with sponsored brands, you don't get the luxury of saying I only want to spend this much on product A, this much on product B, and this much on product C. So you sort of want to think about those as like one unit, like that's as segmented as you can possibly get. So I would not advise to use sponsored brand ad groups, just like one ad, one group per campaign. Mm-hmm. Think of it like that. Um, so when you do that, you generally also want to split that with one targeting type per unit as well. So you have your budget, you have your product unit, and you have your targeting unit. And you I. Ideally, want these like to be specific. So I w- I am not a fan of mixing match types. So I would not have exact phrase broad, modified broad, all in one spot. Uh, I would absolutely split those out. And again, it allows you to say, again, we're talking like direct responsey, high conversion intent versus more research based, more t- mid f- top of funnel branding based. When you insert broad, that's going to behave differently than exact. Mm 
so those opposite ends of the spectrums, you want to treat these differently. And you're going to want to think in your own campaign structure, how much budget do I want to allocate towards broad? How much budget do I want to allocate towards exact? And that's where the decision comes to sort of set these budgets. Um, now, you don't need to, you know, do calculus in order to determine what your budget should be. But, you know, you might look at your account. Hopefully you're labeled your campaigns properly and you have broad and all the broad campaigns and exact and all the exact campaigns. And you could just do a quick search of your campaigns to sort of get a sense of like, how much budget am I spending on exact? Okay, that's only 20% of my budget. Wow, 60% of my budget is on broad. I better reel that back. So like having these things broken out allow you to analyze things this way. Hmm. And do you treat them the same if you find a search term that's not converting and you were negative in your sponsored product campaigns? Do you do exactly the same as sponsored brand or do you find that they perform differently? Uh, I'm generally not a fan of like something misbehaves in ad group A, also block it in ad group B uh, that are like different mm -hmm. campaigns. Yeah. I generally like things to live on their own because, um, you know, there's plenty of weird quirks where like mm. the plural version actually does convert well mm. and the singular version does not convert well um so that happens i feel like that's happened more and more since amazon changed their broad match uh targeting mm. um so in general i would say don't do that the thing where i do do that uh we do this thing here at ad badger called ngram analysis mm -hmm. so it's like if you have you know mason jars for cooking in one ad group and it only has 10 clicks, you might not be able to make a decision on it, but then you have cooking, like cooking supply mason jar, and that has 10 clicks and you can't make a decision because it doesn't have enough clicks. Sometimes you can sort of sum the mm -hmm. word cooking in both places mm -hmm. uh, and sort of see how the word cooking performs in every single ad group and every single time it's in a search term. Um, so we, that's one of my favorite activities. And that is where I would, do a search term analysis in one spot because it's sort of an aggregate of everywhere where the word cooking is. And then if it's really bad, like if every single search term that the word cooking was a part of gets, it sums up to like 50 clicks into orders, then I sort of know like cooking is a, is a negative signal and I shouldn't be appearing for anything with the word cooking in it. That's where I might do a negative phrase to just sort of clear that out. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, so that's the only time I would use data from one ad group and apply it to other ad groups mm, uh, yeah. is that sort okay. of summed, okay. I call it n-gram analysis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting uh, strategy actually, and I can see why that would be quite effective. Uh, you mentioned maybe not going too much into the weeds, but it would be good to talk about um, you know, your product collection ads, where you're sending people, obviously if it's variations of the same product to the product display page, I would imagine, but, um, you know, your thoughts on going to the store page, going to the landing page, what do you do on that front? Yeah. So now I think, you know, in the world of, so it's very easy here to get distracted, right? So the mm -hmm. thing to get distracted on is, getting away from direct response ads. So mm. what I mean by that is if I'm selling, let's a, a great example are like industrial supplies. I'm going to say like screws. Yep. There's so many different types of screws with so many different kinds of heads of screws, materials of screws, length with weight of screws. It's insane. Mm. Um, so like 
with that, imagine somebody types in, you know, wood screw, Phillips head, uh, something, 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 all about the screw. So they typed in like eight words to describe the kind of screw that they need. And then they also typed in how many of them they wanted, 20 pack. Like they were so ultra specific. So picture like a 10 word keyword. When you serve that sponsored brand ad and they click on that, if you send them to a store page with multiple products on it, you're absolutely crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, because they typed in something hyper specific. This is deep in the funnel. This is high user intent. You know exactly what they want. You know exactly where to send them. You want to send that person to the product page for that product. Mm. I think we all understand that. So that's like the direct response Mm -hmm. component. Where people get tripped up, it's like, oh, maybe I send them to a store page uh, because you know, they could see all my screws. That's like, you didn't want to see all of your screws. You would take them there if they searched screw. Mm-hmm. Now you have no idea what kind of screw they want. Uh, and you can sort of, in your own industry, this is where you sort of have to think, unfortunately. You have to think, <laughs> <laughs> I just like simple, like when this happens, do this. Yeah. But you actually actually have to like look at the search terms that you're going for and then begin to say, where is the switch point at which I know exactly what they want so I'm going to send them to the product page. Where is the switch point to where I no longer know what they want? So I'm going to send them to a store page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you for, there's a spectrum, right? The 10-word search term describing the specific screw all the way to, um, you know, even more broad than screw. It would be like, I don't know home building supplies or something like something hyper general you have no idea what they want so there's a spectrum right and then you can look inside that spectrum and determine what is the best store page to send people so if they search screw you know where to send them because you don't know if they want a wood screw or a screw for metal or whatever but if they search wood screws you sort of can send them to your wood screw page Mm -hmm. and if they have search you know screws with anchors you can take them to an anchor page so you can take them to all these different pages based off how specific their search is. And it's kind of what I, what I'm describing is pretty annoying. Uh, like it, it takes hard work <laughs> yeah. and you have to sort of think about where the ROI is for yeah. this activity. Again, you get the most ROI for the high intent, high intent things at mm-hmm. first. So like spend a lot of your time there after you sort of nailed that down, then you could begin to say, Hmm, I think my campaigns, I want to grow a little bit more. I think I can mm-hmm. capture more market share. Yeah. I'm going to begin to go up, the funnel. I'm going to get more broad with my keywords. I'm going to get lower user intent. Uh, I'm going to get more non-specific with things, and that's where a beautiful store page matters so much. That's where a really t- uh, great video matters so much because now, if they search "screw" and they never heard of you, you can sort of let them know, like, oh, okay, like I'm a builder. I'm building something, and like this is the best screw ever. It's never going to split, and like I can find all the different kinds of screws that I'll need, and like they have exactly what I want. That's where that story becomes hugely ROI valuable. Yeah, it is a, a lot to think about and a lot to work on. But I think it's really good, really helpful the way you separate those out. And I think listeners at all stages of the journey can really grab something from that. And well, a lot of people that are starting out that are maybe spending five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month, you know, first priority is just that high intent 
uh, direct mm-hmm. response, like you say. And really, because that was one of the questions that we didn't really uh, talk about because you kind of already answered it in terms of the overall strategy. I think a lot of people coming into sponsored brands think, well, this is about brand awareness. It doesn't matter about the cost because it's just getting them used to my brand. But actually, there are, um, you know, levels of this, mm-hmm. right? You know, there is, like you say, the direct response, which is all, is all about ACOS, driving profitable sales. But And that's what most people should start with if I'm summarizing what you said correctly. Mm-hmm. And then there's like another level, which when you've really maxed out all of the opportunities with the direct response and you know you, you can't really grow too much more other than adding more products it's a case of now how can we go up that funnel and, and do some branded stuff bring more awareness with some more general stuff absolutely and the most successful people that i work with uh have that sort of uh you know barbell strategy where like they invest heavily on that bottom of funnel high intent direct response get, let's get the sales mm-hmm. campaigns and then they know the value of going after that sort of mid top funnel keywords, those more broad, those more general things, those more brand awareness, those definitely matter. Like there's a reason why, you know, Nike spends a bajillion dollars uh, on all of that top of funnel branding, Mm -hmm. sponsoring athletes, sponsoring events, doing all these things. It's like the definition of like super top of funnel, Mm -hmm. uh, because ultimately it'll, you know, give people an idea of what Nike means when they make that search. And there's a, you know, does that the varying degrees of benefit for different companies, um, you know, depending on where you land uh, with your product, who's buying it and how much thought goes into the, that purchase. Uh, those things do begin to matter more uh, depending on your type of company. So there's a lot of sort of cerebral conversations to have when it comes to, you know, how much is it worth investing in the brand? I think in generally though, like, the brands that do it well are doing it well and like they're bigger for a reason. Um, So those things I think do matter. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then finally, just one last thing that may be a bit smaller and less significant, but still uh, custom images for the spotlight ads. Uh, Are you seeing anything in particular work really well there? This is, yeah, this is classic, you know, product imagery that mm-hmm. works really well. Uh, like people using the product, it's like visualize themselves using it. Uh, mm-hmm. I always like that. Um, yeah. Like I won't even, I think that's the number one, like people using the product. Yeah. It's why on social media, like user generated content with like some influencer or somebody using the product, uh, a, a video review of it, like f- seeing the product actually in use is amazing. So if I'm selling a Frisbee, it's like a picture of like the kids in the yard playing with mm. a frisbee. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's it. Yeah, good. Nice, simple answer. I like it. Yeah, for sure. And, awesome. and that's and by the way, that's where it's so easy to get tripped up because you can yeah. literally go in any direction when it comes to a video or mm. a creative. Uh, you can go in any direction. So that's where you know, for me being so like data driven and like I do just want like the if this then that. Like, tell me when I'm doing a video, like what Mm. kinds of things should I do in it? Mm. Uh, Like all of that stuff is what I look for. Like, Oh, it's somebody using the product. That's Mm. makes a lot of sense. You know, I don't want the product like floating in space. Uh, You know, that's where people like make videos where it's just a collection of their product images, like Mm. on a slideshow kind Mm. of. And I guess like it's better than nothing, but like in a perfect world, like you're actually using it, like demonstrating it and people are like, Oh yeah, that's exactly I'm selling, you know, you might not know this uh, way over there. You know about the slap chop? 
Oh, man. Well, people listening will know. Slapping your troubles away at the slap chat is just like an infomercial. That's why infomercials okay. are so powerful. It's like somebody, yeah. you know, slapping, you know, crushing garlic really easily. It's like, oh, wow, like that's exactly what I want. Or um, flex tape, or like the big tank where the water's gushing out of it and he just smacks the tape mm. on it. Got to see the product in use. I've seen I've seen that on memes. That one, yes. I'm not so out of touch. I haven't seen that one. You know, yes, slapping it on and uh, get, getting rid of all your problems with a bit of a. That's bit right. Of <laughs> it's like, have you tried the power of positive thinking? It's like mm. that your life is crumbling. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen that in so many, especially in the digital marketing space mm -hmm. as well. It's like, yeah, good. Okay, uh, just to finish off. Why do you um, where do you see Amazon PPC going next? couple of years has obviously changed so much in recent years, but what do you see, uh, obviously, the rise of AI and Amazon's getting more and more mature as a platform? What can we expect over the next year or two? Um, hmm. I think for me as a, so I, I think there'll be a need for anyone doing specifically Amazon advertising. So I think Amazon advertising has been held up as like the the primary thing to do to grow on Amazon. I think uh, where sometimes people will skip over some other issues in their company and only look at PPC as the solution. And I think that, you know, the most successful clients that I work with are not doing that. They sort of view it in one compartment and then they are able to view the overall scope of the business. And I think as a PPC marketer myself, I've really been stepping into more non-PPC areas of areas of growth on Amazon in order to do that. So I think it's becoming a lot more integrated. We talked about brands on this call. I think like those brand signals that you send to Amazon are becoming more and more impactful. Mm -hmm. So like sending Google ads traffic to your listing, sending social traffic to your listing, um, building up an email list outside of Amazon and directing some of that email list to Amazon, like investing in brand assets, like all of these things, like getting good at SEO, all of these things are, you know, becoming crazy about your product quality, uh, doing user surveys and really understanding how people like your stuff. I think all of these things, when we think of the most successful e-commerce brands, I think those things should be creeping into, you know, if you think of e-commerce marketing, they're sort of like the D to C group, mm. uh, which does all those things, you know, oftentimes they'll start on a Shopify store and, and then make a decision after millions of dollars of sales, hmm, maybe we should go on Amazon mm. uh, versus sort of the Amazon FBA or who starts on Amazon um, and then, you know, sort of grows from there. And I think, both groups can learn from each other, but I think one thing over the next few years is sort of taking that bigger biz, that bigger, broader view uh, with all the thinking about SEO, thinking about brand assets, those things will, I think, become more and more valuable. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, AI to do all those things. <laughs> Definitely. That's a whole other conversation for another mm -hmm. day. Um, the I, I know I said finally before, but I did want to ask you, what's your just overriding number one Amazon PPC tip for sellers to take away. Mm, I think my favorite one, one is, and this one, you know, maybe says a lot about my personality, but I really do think just literally being organized mm. and paying attention is the number one success factor uh, that I see. 
uh, a lot of people are very knee jerk reaction mm -hmm. to their campaigns. So a lot of people will just look at their campaigns, think something, oh, this is good, this is bad, and then go and take lots of action without like a broader, like, this is what I want to accomplish this quarter. This is what I want to accomplish this month. Um, you know, I see a lot of like sledgehammers or wrecking balls to people's campaigns, mm -hmm. like as opposed to just like meticulous, thoughtful, steady work more frequently. I've always felt does better than just like not paying attention to do it for two weeks. And then like coming in just like obliterating something and like building an entirely new campaign structure, really herky jerky. I think that's probably one of the worst things that I see. Uh, so on the flip side of that, the best thing to do is to really be meticulous. Uh, we use ClickUp, um, and I just love sort of like, what is it, what do we do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis? Just ask, just filling all those like routine tasks mm -hmm. and then schedule some time for like free thought and like just browse around and like do stuff like that. I think all, I think that is the th the reason I've been successful. I just write yeah. stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And I think such a, so important and underestimated, uh, truth because as soon as you start dealing with high volume campaigns and lots of keywords, mm -hmm. it, it can get such a mess if you're not organized uh, and have a structure of how you operate. So I think, yeah, that's absolutely key. Thank you. There's so many Michelle. things like, there's so many things like that in life. Uh, I was with someone one time and it was like the end of the day, it was like 9 PM and he took out his laptop and he started writing emails. I'm like, what are you doing? Writing emails? Like we stopped working hours ago. And he's like, Oh, at the end of the day, I always write thank you notes to everyone I talked to today. He's like, I'm not that smart. Uh, he's like, said something along the lines of like, I'm not that smart, but this is so easy to get people to like you. And I'm just like, that's insane. And like, it's such like an easy thing to do. It's like, oh yeah, just mm -hmm. like, thank people for taking the time to talk to you. And mm -hmm. it's like, a, everyone loves this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's class. Stuff like that. Amazing, mm -hmm. good stuff. Okay, well, honestly, this has been super insightful and I, I know our listeners are gonna get uh, so much out of it. It's clear that you do spend uh, a lot of time dug into this in the trenches. Um, where can people find out more about you, about our Badger? Yeah, you know, we've got over 250 episodes all about Amazon advertising. So people can search PPC Den, like the Badger Den, PPC Den, uh, on their podcast platform of choice and find us. Uh, or they can go to adbadger.com to learn a little bit more about what we do professionally. Amazing. Well, we'll make sure we get those linked up in the show notes and description as well. Uh, Michael, thank you for taking the time out. This has been a super valuable episode. Awesome, Ben. Have a good one. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for listening to this episode. I hope you got as much out of that as me. I've got lots to work on. I'm sure you do too. Uh, but do join us for the next episode, same time next week. Take care guys. Bye-bye.